Well, brethren, uh, we've just remembered Resurrection Day, and of course we continue to do so each Lord's Day. So uh, this morning, or evening as it is for you, uh, I would like to go through five verses of Scripture to try to understand uh, this amazing link between the resurrection and our prayers. And we see this first uh, in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Paul prays that we may know, quote, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul tells us that the very power of God, uh, the resurrection power, which he wrought in Christ, is at work in us. And of course, we know that it was at work in us when he regenerated us, when he gave us new life in Christ. But in Ephesians 3.20, we see that it's also continuing to be at work, this resurrection power. It says, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Power there is the same Greek word as in Ephesians 1. So this power of God, this resurrection power, continues to be at work. It's a present tense here in Ephesians 3. So what is this power? I don't know about you, but it's it's hard for me to envision uh, exactly what resurrection power might be like. It's hard to get our arms around it, so to speak. So we see one example in Matthew 21, 21, when the Lord Jesus himself was illustrating the power of prayer he spoke of moving a mountain. It says, If ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. So moving mountains is powerful, certainly. But I think the greatest examples of power that we know of in, in all of creation are the major events in nature, like volcanoes or hurricanes or cyclones or tornadoes. And of all these, uh, there's one that's greater still, according to the scientists, and that is the power that's carried in earthquakes. Earthquakes can level entire cities in just a few minutes. So God has given us two more examples in the New Testament, both associated with the death and resurrection of Christ. The first one we see in our fourth verse that we'll look at today is Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Brethren, uh, splitting rocks takes incredible power. 
But God did not stop there in demonstrating his power, his resurrection power, because just two days later, we see it evidenced again on resurrection morning in Matthew 28, 2. Matthew 28, verse 2. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. Now, the first earthquake was simply recorded as the earth did quake. And here, in comparison, uh, the Lord specifically states it was a great earthquake. I don't know how the Lord did a great earthquake exactly. Um, perhaps he held together the temple and uh, the main parts of the city, or perhaps the great earthquake was isolated just at the tomb. But what is a great earthquake like? How can we understand this power? Well, I'd like to read a report from an Alaskan earthquake in 1964. It turns out it was the greatest, uh, second greatest earthquake ever recorded in modern history. It actually occurred on Good Friday of that year, March 27th, 1964. And this account is from a Mrs. Thomas who lived with her two children on a, the edge of a bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. It was a little after 5.30 that I heard a rumble. Something instantly told me that this was an earthquake. I leaped off the bed yelling, earthquake. I grabbed Anne and called to David. They both moved with lightning speed. We had reached the front hall when the house began to shake. We were about 10 feet beyond the front door when it suddenly seemed that the whole world was coming to an end. We were flung violently to the ground, which was shaking up and down with the sharpest jolting I've ever felt. It seemed an eternity that we lay there in the snow. Within a few seconds, the entire house started to fall apart splitting first right at the hallway we had just come through. We heard the crashing of glass, then that horrible rending sound of wood being torn apart. The trees were crashing all about us, adding to the terrible din. Now the earth began breaking up and buckling all about us. A great crack started to open in the snow between Anne and me, and I quickly pulled her across it toward me. Then our whole lawn broke up into chunks of dirt and rock and snow and ice. We were left on a wildly buckling slab. Suddenly it tilted sharply and we had to hang on to keep from slipping into a yawning chasm opening next to us. Now the earth seemed to be rising just ahead of us. I had the weird feeling that we were riding backward on a Ferris wheel going down. The worst of the rocking stopped, and as I looked around, I realized that we and our entire property had fallen down 300 feet to sea level. I could see nothing left of the house except part of the roof. The cliffs above us were sheer 
with great sections of sand and clay constantly falling. The jumbles of earth all about us had stopped moving, but large hunks were breaking apart everywhere. We are told now that this event actually began years before, deep in the earth, perhaps 14 miles beneath the surface. Fearful and little understood forces were at work on the earth's crust, twisting and straining the great layers of rock. Eventually, at a point called the focus, the rock gave way, snapping and shifting in an instant with the force that scientists tells us were equivalent to 12,000 Hiroshima atomic explosions. The devastation spread with terrible speed in an arc 500 miles long, crackling through the earth at thousands of miles an hour. The shock wave sliced, churned, and ruptured the land. Well, brethren, what is a great earthquake like? We realize that the quake at the resurrection of Christ probably was greater than what happened in Alaska. I can't help but believe that. So brethren, when we pray, we need to recognize the Holy Spirit is mightily at work in us. It is a power far exceeding 12,000 atomic explosions for the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth. So it is a power enough that we can pray with a holy fear and with a holy confidence that our God will accomplish his purposes in our prayers. So I hope we will always remember this when we pray. We have the resurrection power of God at work in us.